0: The Wex Building. Yes. At 1 Hancock Street. Yes. That is really, it's like the cornerstone of that neighborhood now, the Eastern Waterfront. How were you exposed to women at the top of the corporate ladder? Welcome our listeners to the Bolas Beat Podcast. I'm your guest host today, Jessica Estes, filling in for host Greg Bolas. The Bolas Company is Northern New England's largest real estate commercial services firm with offices in Portland, Maine and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've been selling and leasing real estate since 1975. This is a series providing insight into Maine's movers and shakers and business people. Speaking of business people, I would like to welcome Melissa Smith.
1: Jess, it's great to be here. Yeah, Thank it's you. It's nice to
0: have you. Um, so Melissa is the CEO of WEX, and you began in WEX uh, at 1997 as I, a senior financial for advisor. Forever ago. Forever ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you worked your way through no- numerous roles, including CFO and president of the Americas, um, and now you hold the company's most senior position. You served as CFO during the company's IPO in 2005. You've continued to spearhead WEX's dramatic growth. Born and raised in Maine, Melissa was recognized as Maine Business. 2012 Woman to Watch, and 2017 Business Leader of the Year. She won the Tribute to Women in Industry Award from the Maine Women's Fund in 2015. Melissa participates in extensive nonprofit work, including participating in the Try for a Cure. In 2010, Melissa co-founded SheJams, an all-woman training club that allows women to train together in a non-competitive spirit. Additionally, she serves on the Equifax and Maine Health Boards of Directors. Melissa earned a bachelor's in business administration from the University of Maine. Hi,
1: Melissa. (laughs) That's a multiple. Hi, Jess. (laughs) You have been
0: busy. (laughs) I'm getting older. (laughs) Uh, We all are. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we're a commercial real estate company, so we're going to focus a little bit on WEX's real estate footprint, but uh, I also want to learn more about you and the company as a whole. So to start, um, I know you're asked this question a lot, I know because I've heard it Mm -hmm. asked of you, Um, but there are probably some people who still think of WEX as a fleet car company. <laughs> so tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about what WEX does.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's where we started. And yeah. it's still over 50% of our revenue is related to fleets. But over time, even that product is, has really evolved. We think of the type of customers that we have even using our fleet products. What they're looking for is data so they can make sure that people are purchasing the things that they want them to purchase. Mm -hmm. And then the other um, parts of our business, we're in healthcare payments, we're in travel payments, we're in just digital payments around uh, the B2B side. Mm -hmm. So if um, if you wanted to outsource your accounts payable, we would do that for you electronically. If you were to go online and book a hotel room with someone like Expedia you pay Expedia directly, but we make payments on their behalf to all the hotels around the world. So what we do is really integrated into businesses um, mm-hmm. and pretty transparent. So yeah, not everyone's heard of us. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So really you're a payment company, payment payment. payment or payment tech. People yep. think a lot about the tech. Yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit about the journey to where you are now from starting with WEX in
1: 1997. Yeah, yeah. So when I graduated from college, I went into public accounting and I worked for Ernst & Young mm-hmm. um, and I, I actually really loved that. I love the fact that you were out meeting um, different people all the time. you were traveling. It was it was fun. Um, And I happened to bump into someone one day and he called me the next day and said, then we were called Right Express. He said, you know, listen, I've got this job opening. Would you come and interview? And I said, no. And he said, come on, just come on in. And he had me meet (laughs) with the then CEO. His name was Paul Walsh. Um, it over, you know, like, I feel like I get whittled down over a period of time. And, um, and really what Paul said to me was, it's the type of place where an individual can make a difference, mm-hmm. the growth of the company will create opportunity for you, and you'll be rewarded for the work that you do. And, you know, I would, st- I still say that for people who interview with me, I've yeah. been in nine different roles in the period of time that I've been at Wax, mm-hmm. and it was really pretty much whatever was needed. It was um, I became the CFO in 2001, mm-hmm. and uh, you talked about the pump company, company going public in 2005, and then um, and then you know just from there I've been the CEO um, for seven years now. Yeah, wow, wow, it's been interesting. I know. To it's crazy your <laughs> yeah. through the company. Yeah. So you um, are
0: a native Mainer.
1: I you am. Grew up in Maine. What town? At Wynn. Wynn, Maine. And where is that? <laughs> yeah, no one's ever heard of Wynn. It's about an hour north of Bangor. Okay. And you went to school in Orono. I did. Yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. what made you stay in Maine?
1: You know, it's been an interesting series of, of reasons why. My um, my mother worked for the University of Maine. Mm-hmm. And so when it came for me to go to college and I have, you know, my legacy, my mother, and my grandmother went to the University of Maine. Um, there was an economic conversation where my mom sat me down and said, listen, you can go to anywhere in the world you want to go. This is what you're going to pay. Or you can go to the University of Maine, in which case she had worked really hard so that, you know, I was tuition free because, um, because she uh, ran HR for the University yeah, of Maine. Yeah. And, and so for, you know, originally it was more about economics. It was, um, it was you know, affordable and based on my circumstances. It was, you know, it, was sure. it just made sense. But there was actually something nice about the, the legacy part. You know, there's a picture of my, my mom and my grandmother. My grandmother was a teacher And she had gone back to college when my mother was in college. So once her kids were away, my mom was her youngest. And there's a picture of them sitting outside of the library together, you know, when you know, my mom was in college when she was young. She's, my mom's brilliant. She graduated from college when she was 21. So she, let's say she was 20 sitting on the steps with her mom. mom. Yeah. And, you know, I used to go there all the time and, you know, being on the mall. So it was, it just felt right, you know, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I I got a great education and uh, really importantly, some of the professors there, one in particular, his name is uh, Dr. Geiger, who actually I just saw again this summer, I had these accounting classes, and he used to write little notes on my um, on my tests because mm-hmm. I went like I was like accounting seems like the most boring thing in the world, and he kept <laughs> saying you know you know like these little things that would say you, you you know you're good at this you should consider going into public accounting, and over time he kind of wrote me in with this idea that you know, it would be a good way to get a job, you know, mm-hmm. it a little bit more surety mm-hmm. when you go into something more practical, but also that it would be interesting work. You know, when you go from a small time, you don't actually know what the options right. are. And so having someone take an interest in you was really helpful. So you didn't go to college with plans to become an accountant? <laughs> no. no, no, no. It wasn't your... No. I know I, I had this kind of general business thing. You know, yeah. I liked watching my mom, you know, I said she ran HR for the University of Maine. I liked kind of the context of her going in and solving problems mm-hmm. and being in mm-hmm. that kind of environment. My sisters, uh, one's a nurse and one's a equine surgeon. Mm-hmm. I faint at blood, so that was not going to be my, <laughs> <laughs> my path. <laughs> but my mom was very practical about how she raised yeah. us. She, was, um, she had gotten divorced when she was 30, and so she had three girls, and she raised us all to be, you know, really practical Strong, about what we yeah. were going to do, that we're going to be independent, but also we're going to find careers that you knew that you were actually going to be able to yeah. sustain yourself.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um, no offense to any accountants out there, but <laughs> it was surprising when I saw on your website that on one of your focuses, your main focus really with Wax is the people. Yes. right? that's what yes. drives you, and yes. uh, you don't. <laughs> generally, accounts are a little more on the numbers <laughs> side of things, right? So,
1: well, part of um, what I liked about public accounting is it was all um, about people, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things I learned pretty quickly. Because you would go into a client, and mm-hmm. it would be a different client all the time. You'd be working with a different team of people all the time, and you and it actually was about. How did you manage that situation, which was dynamic and changing? And the number part, I always like math, but Mm -hmm. it was almost secondary to the people part. part. Yeah, sure. Something's
0: driving all those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about your influences growing up. Sounds like your mom and your grandmother were really strong influences on you. How were you exposed to women at the top of the corporate ladder? Or were you? Well, it
1: wasn't. I mean, what I I, I did know, my mom working Mm -hmm. really was pretty foundational for me Mm -hmm. because she when I looked at her relationship with my stepfather, so she remarried when I was five to this wonderful man. Um, But, you know, he was, he would cook and clean. And they had this partnership Mm -hmm. in the house. And I really think, you know, that was the model I grew up with. It wasn't gender defined. My Mm -hmm. mom, you know, she worked just as hard as as he worked. And they shared the responsibilities in the house. And so, and she always said to me, you know, she pushed and she would say, why not a lot? You know, when I would, mm-hmm. I'd come in with a list of excuses. Let me tell you why I can't do this. <laughs> she would be like, oh, really? You know, she would really probe under that. You know, why can't you do that? And, yeah. and I feel like that constant push, as mm-hmm. irritating as it was in the moment, was really important to um, just making sure that I, I didn't self-limit. Yeah. What I was capable of doing. So I didn't have any exposure to any executive anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually you learn to ask yourself the question, right? Why not? Yeah. 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 And yeah. when and then when you meet executives, they're just people. You just realize that you know, if you can connect with that person, mm-hmm. and you know the work is interesting, but it, but honestly, most of what we do in life is all about people. people. It's about relationships.
0: That is that is for sure. So back to Wex, your company is pretty important in Maine's economy. How many people do you
1: employ inside and outside of Maine? So we have um, about 1,250 people in Maine, in Maine right now, mm-hmm. and we have about 4,000 people outside of Maine. Outside of Maine, wow. Yes.
0: So speaking of that, yeah. uh, last week, WEX announced that uh, you all had signed a deal with an Austrian oil and gas company to manage their fuel card program. Yes. So do you see WEX's continued growth being in a geographic sense or increasing your lines of business, or is it a combination of the two?
1: It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look outside of the United States, um, about 20% of our revenue occurs outside the U.S., mm-hmm. Um, we actually just acquired a couple of, of businesses that were um, based outside of the United States. And so we just added into our international capability. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a market like Europe, we've just started. We only have about 1% market share uh, in a number of products in Europe um, yeah. and in in Asia, say um, in many cases, even less than that. Mm-hmm. So, so we have a lot of opportunity. At the same time, we keep growing in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for us, we, we focus on, Make sure the products we have are unique. It's based on a really strong technical foundation, and then we really pay attention to the relationships we have with our customers. The Wex building.
0: Yes. Do you call it the Wex building internally? Um, yeah, I guess we, we do. Yeah. We call, building. we call ourselves Wexers. <laughs> <laughs> like that. At yeah. 1 Hancock Street. Yes. That is really, it's like the cornerstone of that neighborhood now, the Eastern Waterfront, and it's kicked off a transformation. A bunch of other companies are now either located there or planning to relocate there. Um, so what factored into your decision to move the headquarters office to downtown from South
1: Portland? First I love our space. I mean, yeah. It feels it's like beautiful. us. You know, it, it has this, um, I don't know, there's like an indie feel to it, which it, it, it fits the culture of the company. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love that. And I love the fact that every time that we've moved and to a different headquarters over the years, it's kind of a physical representation of where we are right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, in each case... They've been these big leap improvements, and um, you know, so I, I love where we are in, in in being on the water, seeing the boats move and the people walk around. There's a vibrancy mm-hmm. that we were really looking for. We we had actually um, tried to move downtown. It's probably been looking for fifteen years, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. not that long, but a, a long time. You know, what really interested us with being downtown was um, our employees being able to walk around, to get access to food easily mm-hmm. being able to be outside and i'm a big believer in the connectedness to nature and being outside and how important that is so mm-hmm. and so just having the running path right there is really great you see employees out there <laughs> you know they do fit well normally not in this environment but they do um you know they do classes just outside of the building yeah. and um and so it just happened to work in this case since so we kept probing and looking for options um uh, at first we wanted everything to be together you know it was our, our original thesis and then um, actually, our board pushed us and said, You know, you're a global company. You have offices all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um so why? why Why does everything have to be together? and yeah. um and that really was freeing for us to start to think about the fact that maybe we could do this in pieces and um, and not everybody in Maine had to be in one location. Yeah. And that really freed up the opportunity to do this yeah. um, to do this building. And we've got a great team of people who worked on it. the We hired someone who runs, Global, um, all our global real estate. He's been a really great ad, and mm-hmm. um, you know he made a huge difference on this.
0: We are taping this podcast in March of 2021, uh, so we're about to hit the one-year mark of kind of when the world changed, and a lot of companies had to shift to working from home. Yours included, mm-hmm. primarily. So, tell me a little bit about what you learned about your company and its people um, in that in that dramatic pivot.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy when you think back on it. Because at the time we were agonizing over you know which offices to close, when did we close them? And at one point I remember looking at the woman who was running that part of the business and said, "Just shut it all down." You know, and mm-hmm. we were one of the early ones that went um, to work from home, and we did it globally. And the thing that amazed me is how resilient you know people were. Mm-hmm. They you know, everyone went to working from home virtually overnight, and um, the sense of connectedness that we have in their culture, you yeah. know, that, that's really stayed and. Um, you know, I give the the employees a lot of credit because they, it, A lot of things have happened at a grassroots level. Mm-hmm. We had these impromptu happy hours and we're impromptu coffee breaks, and people have really done a great job of taking care of one another and mm-hmm. nurturing one another in you know in a really difficult environment. It, and I would say the other thing that's been surprising to me is our A lot of our business comes in from just new sales, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and our new sales have been. It's just really phenomenal. So our sales and marketing teams have just been amazing, That's just great. kind of pivot and went into a different environment and have been able to be really successful. So resilience, I think, is it was really my big thing as yeah. I, you know, as I reflect back on the year. And I'm so grateful of how people have really been um, compassionate and caring with yeah. one another. People I can imagine that.
0: where... Uh, being in your shoes you would have been a little bit nervous about especially sales where you're unable to travel you yes. can't go meet customers and that yes. probably required yes. quite a change
1: yeah well mm-hmm. I mean the the environment's been difficult for everybody for different reasons mm-hmm. you know for us we have, we have this repetitive business model where when someone comes to a customer of ours their spending patterns are normally quite predictable mm-hmm. and so as we bring on new business that fuels growth for us. Mm -hmm. And in this environment the hard part was, you know, suddenly we didn't know what was going to happen to that predictable part of our business. And so what we've said to the people at Wax is continue to take care of our customers. You know, we don't know when that activity will come back, but it will. And if you can bring on new business and you know at the same time, then, you know, this is, you know, it's gonna be a difficult period of time, but Mm -hmm. it's not a forever period of time. And I think that helps you know someone once said to me that success is not a straight line and if you kind of look back at the company um, and you can see this in our stock price it's you know it's 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 an upward trend mm-hmm. but it's not a straight line right, right. and you know in these periods of time you learn things and they're formative but I think the the more that you have that kind of that hard stuff behind you mm-hmm. um, where you know okay this is not going to be easy we're gonna go through something that's not going to be forever it actually helps you be calm when you're in the middle of a hard time yeah, now. And yeah. so I, I feel like the people who've been there for a long time, you know, really dug in and said, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> parts of this may not be fun, but we will get through and right, we'll get through it together. Right. Take the long view on it. Yeah.
0: Um, and so do you anticipate that the majority of WEX employees will be back working in an office of some sort at some point?
1: That's really, really Good great question. question. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, when we survey our employees, um, it is very clear right now from mm-hmm. their feedback that they do not want to go back to the environment that they were in before. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean that they want a lot more flexibility. And I would have said we actually we tend to be actually quite flexible to start with. But um, you know, I was actually just talking to some employees last week, and what they said to me was. I would never have expected to like working from home, mm-hmm. but I really do. And, um, and I don't want to give that up. And so I think what we'll end up doing is being really quite flexible, uh, even more than we were before, mm-hmm. around um, people's ability in certain roles to be able to work from home. Um, and I think you'll find this hybrid model. Most people want to work some from home and then some in the office. Yeah. And that's the, uh, the, by far the majority of people want to blend. There's a, there are outliers. Some people who want to totally be in the office, that would be me, and some people who <laughs> want to be yeah. totally home, yeah. um, but the majority of people just want the ability to have it be a little bit more fluid. Yeah. Before the pandemic hit,
0: there was a rumor that WEX was looking for a fairly substantial um, sort of, I don't want to say back office, but an operations yes. center yes. in the suburbs. Yes. Um, so has that been put on hold, and do you see If it has, do you see it coming back? It has been
1: put on hold, and um, and really for the reasons we just talked about. When we started talking to our employees, it was it was clear even early Mm -hmm. in the pandemic um, that people really wanted to work in a different type of environment, and then they were. um, It's actually interesting because the space that we have on Hancock Street is really designed well for that type of setting where people um, have an ability to come in collaborate because it was set up to be highly collaborative and that's they want to be in the office for collaborative time um but a lot of people want to be home um for other parts of their for the deep work yeah yeah Yeah. right when they have time to to concentrate um and so i it just we just had to take a pause and see we really want to listen to our employees we want to know what they want we want to make sure that we that we give it some time too, because it, that could evolve. But I would say that it's been pretty consistent feedback throughout the um, throughout the course of the pandemic. We've done multiple surveys, mm-hmm. and, it's, and and they're saying the same thing to us. Oh, yeah. Very much what you see in stats in other companies yeah. too. would say ours yeah. are very aligned. Pretty typical. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, um, in addition to being the head of Wex, you also are a mom to three adorable kids, (laughs) um, and you're married to somebody who's pretty busy guy. So tell me a little bit about balance and, uh, how you, how you re-energize yourself when you're
1: feeling depleted. Yeah. 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 I, I love being a mom Mm -hmm. and I would say it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done (laughs) and the best thing I've ever done. So I have four-year-old twins and a six-year-old as you know, and, um, you know, the kids are great, but my the way that I work has just evolved by having children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like many other people when they go to bed, I'm working because my kids still go to bed early at mm-hmm. night. I'll work after they go to bed. and um, And I try really hard to be around for that you know, period of time where they're getting ready for bed. I feel like there's, there's like, like it's sweet being able to read stories and learn about their day is, is really important to me. But I also have learned there, it's more about the quality of time that I spend with them. When Mm -hmm. I'm with them, I try to be highly focused on them, Mm -hmm. but I'm also okay with the fact I'm not at at everything that they do, that I, there's parts of this that I have to outsource and I have a nanny and she's, um, she's great taking care of them when I can't be there Mm -hmm. and, um, and with, with BC, my husband, it's a partnership. And, and we are like other couples are constantly negotiating <laughs> out, like who's going to do what, when, and how we make yeah, that work. Yeah. But um, but because it feels like a partnership, it, 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 it does it work. Out. Yeah, We both recharge through exercise. You know, we're both runners. And for me, um, probably I grew up in a farm and I think I have this like this strong need to be outside mm-hmm. and just getting outside. Like right now, I I, I run... And I've been running with a running partner for fifteen years. I like mm-hmm. the accountability of having someone waiting for you. So at five twenty in the morning, I'm out. <laughs> I'm <laughs> out in the dark and the ice and the snow. But yeah. um, but there's something just to, that kind of resets you know my day mm-hmm. when I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I do that a couple of days a week. And um, you know I'm just a big believer of getting outside, breathe. And even when the window isn't, you know, may not be the the best window, but just make sure you have some of that.
0: Yeah. So you have been really active in our community as well. Uh, Organizations like Try for a Cure. She jams and the executive women's forum, and it does seem like when you see an unmet need, you just kind of jump in so tell me a little bit about
1: what inspires you to get involved you know the one thing I'd add to that is it's jumping in with other people mm-hmm. you know as you mm-hmm. know like yeah. Yeah. collaboration <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean because i you know, I am limited in time, but I'm not limited in intent, and mm-hmm. so what I, you know what I want to do is fill the piece that I can fill, and I think some of that comes back from growing up in a small town where you know, if you don't step up no one else is going to there's no you can't look over your shoulder and yeah, like yeah, there yeah, aren't yeah. just a lot of That's people perfect. there right? <laughs> so i think if you, you you just have to be willing to show up and know when you can and when you can't like the executive women's forum i was more active before i had children mm-hmm. you know this period of time now where i'm doing what i can mm-hmm. and will be more active again you no know, actually i can start to see it as my kids are getting a little bit older you know with she jams um i formed that with some girlfriends they are they really have taken it and run with it mm-hmm. but it but to your point what the kind of the thesis around a lot of these women groups is that I feel like women need other women. And, mm-hmm. the, um, and for me, um, it probably started with the Executive Women's Forum, this feeling of really needing to connect and, uh, with other women and being able to share mm-hmm. what I was experiencing with people who would understand it. And I remember the first meeting I went to um, uh, with some, some of the friends we had set up to originally start it we we came in at that time we had blackberries we were like you know blackberries hair on fire um and there's just a sense of okay these are my peeps you know like I, this is somebody who can relate to the same thing i'm going through right now and um, and that normalizes it mm-hmm. and it makes you not feel like you're the you know you're the outlier and it, the same thing with she jams it was about bringing in we, we had done the try for a cure uh, i had been at one of the um, original volunteers in the original committee set it, that it was getting set up, and I kept getting notes from that that would talk about women who had for the first time done the triathlon, and it was so motivational for them. I wish like it it really changed their mm-hmm. life because they did something they didn't think they could do, mm-hmm. and and she jams came from that from like hey, we we want to figure out how we keep that going yeah. because we want. Um, exercise and connection to not just be for elite athletes who want it to be something that people feel like they can do kind of regardless of their physical level and what i love about she jams is there's, there's you know women in their 70s and women in their 20s and they really share and connect but it, you know kind of across all the things that i've done it, it has to it has to hit me at a kind of a, like a soul level you mm-hmm. know the, the you know to be worth the time and effort and then I have to do it with other people. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's right, important connections to me. And, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Executive Women's Forum, in uh, late 2020, somebody that you and I both know personally um, passed away. Yes. Too young. Yes. Um, and I know she had a profound impact on both of us in, in different ways. Um, she lifted up a lot of women. She was inspirational to a lot of people. And when you talked about what um, what she meant to you, she was a former Wexer. hmm you um, you mentioned that you probably wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for her. And you mentioned sometimes that she would just pop into your office and you two would, mm-hmm. would connect. So I guess um, I was curious, you know, after we had that conversation, I started thinking about what women need from one another mm-hmm. and should be giving to one another mm-hmm. um, from a professional yep. perspective. Yeah. And I wondered if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. You're cross-talking about Katherine Greenleaf, who yeah. is a, you know, was a dear friend of mine. Um, and, you know, Kathy, um, you know, what I'd say about Kathy, and there's so much I learned from her. And, and you know, we shared that. You um, She taught everybody so much. When I really walked away from Kathy, she was so gracious with her time. And mm-hmm. you should point that I would be sitting in my office, I'd be working late at night, and in would walk Kathy... And she would just say, how are you? Or something that would be a really simple question. Um, and she wouldn't let me give a curt answer. You know, there was no short cutting. Yep. <laughs> the conversation. She would dig and probe. And, um, and she would be able to, to take your words and help you really digest, you know, you know, what was really at the root of, you know, what was going on mm-hmm. in your life and give you just some wisdom. Like, um, she was so encouraging of me to be able to have kids and have a career. And she was one of the few women that I knew that, you know, and, and she has lovely children yeah, and, she,
0: you know, she certainly had it all. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And,
1: and she, and she would say to me, you know, you, you can do this. It's, it's going to be messy, but mm-hmm. you can do it. And, you know, the impact is not on your kids it's on you. And she would, she would give me tricks around. Uh, she had this thing about when she'd get ready in the morning with, um, when she had little kids, she used to put raincoat on. Um, so that when she walked out the door, she'd take the raincoat off, and her clothing would be perfect. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. She had all these tips around. You know, like so if you can't do something on your own, like don't try to clean your house; hire someone to do yes. it. Yes, like and, yeah. and really focus your time, which are, are insights that I've I, I feel like I've really taken to heart. But the, I'd say the kind of the bigger gift was the was her time mm-hmm. and her willing to really connect and listen. And w- when I think about other women and what we can all do. It's, it's making sure that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. And because I think women sometimes think other women have everything figured out. They, you know, there's this, um, nugget of self-doubt that sits in Mm -hmm. there.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and again, if you can like, one of the things Kathy did a really great job of exposing messiness, making sure that you knew she wasn't perfect and sharing, um, from that in. And I think that the more that we can do that with other women to say, you know, listen, if you went into my house in the morning, it's chaos, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> right. and it's beautiful, right. but it's messy. And making sure that people know that it's, that that's okay. Yeah. And that's normal. Um, and also advocating for other women and, um, and drawing them up. know, that's why I'm such a big believer in, in networks. We have this woman at wax, um, at wax, because I think affinity groups help other women get exposure, but also, make connections that they wouldn't naturally make. Women yeah. aren't great networkers naturally. Right. And so if you can help facilitate that, but, um, but really just make sure you have time for people. And, and that's hard. Um, but that was, that was Kathy's gift is um, time and insight. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? What would you say? Oh, if flip that around to you. So many things.
0: <laughs> um, I was, you know, very new in my career when I first met her mm-hmm. and a little, frankly, intimidated by her. She mm-hmm. had just done so many amazing things. Um, so I kind of just took a risk and asked her if she wanted to go for coffee and we ended up getting together on occasion and in, in Yarmouth and having coffee in the mornings and she was just so inspirational and what you said about how she could take something whatever is going on in your life and sort of boil it down to a couple of salient points mm-hmm. and then give you almost a life hack to get mm-hmm. around it just mm-hmm. a new way of thinking about things and approaching them that was very freeing in yes. some way. Yeah. And um, yeah, a generosity with her time. Yeah, for sure. Because part funny. of that that
1: worked is you were the only thing that mattered to her in that moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very yeah, very focused and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that it's on all of us to carry on Kathy's legacy
1: and pass it on to. I agree. Yeah, uh, today being International Women's Day. Today being so it's International Women's Day. the pinky pledge to help Absolutely. other women. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So when you came in today, Melissa, you mentioned that you would listen to NPR on the way over here, which yes. I had actually listened to the same thing. And it talked about, um, you know, it was really, it was based on women in the workforce and mm-hmm. how the pandemic has had an outsized impact on women in yes. the workforce. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Yeah. It's, it's disturbing. I, mm-hmm. you know, I was listening on the way over and they're talking about potentially like a 25 year setback. And one of the things I observe is that women are less likely to ask for what they need. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they might leave without actually making the ask. And so I would hope that anybody who's here, who's either listening to a woman make the ask yeah. or needs to need something different than what they have in their life, that they, um, before you do assume it's going to be a no mm-hmm. to, if it's more money or if it's a flexible work arrangement or whatever you need, because, you know, at the kind of the core of this, it's childcare, you know, that's, that's driving a lot of the issues where, um, where women are, are really bearing the burden of that. And, um, and it may be even asking your partner to, you know, <laughs> to be willing to help me out here, you know, yeah. <laughs> I said, it was, yeah, it's a team effort yeah. and it is yeah. a negotiation that happens. and so. Um, you know, I I think that you know part of why we're going to be gearing even more flexibility is because we want people to be able to have both, and mm-hmm. and um, and I, and I think we've proven in this pandemic people can have a lot of flexibility and still do well and still get their jobs yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, So yeah. I I it, I'm concerned by it. I uh, I um I think that um you know more is going to come. We'll learn more as we go, but mm-hmm. I do hope that. You know, employers are thinking about how they can support women through this and um, because, you know, it's an important part of the workforce. Yeah. It makes sense economically. Certainly does. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh. It's been really, really a pleasure to have you here. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Jess. Yeah.
1: This has been great. Um,
0: and uh, you can learn more about WEX on their website
1: www.wexinc.com.
0: <laughs> <lot> <laughs> um, and on Facebook and Twitter at Wexinc News, LinkedIn at Wexinc, and on Instagram, Wex at Work.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: If you'd like to learn more about the Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.bolus.com. You can find us at the Bolus Company, uh, as the Bolus Company on Facebook and LinkedIn, and at the Bolus Co on Instagram and Twitter.